Winnaker Weekly is a three-episode-in anime discussion podcast where two brothers discuss a show of their choice. The show can be anything from a current season flop to a decades-old classic. What are they going to talk about next? Who knows? They sure don't. This is Whitaker Weekly. Let's get right into it. All right. First, the news. I came across a little bit of news the other day, and I couldn't wait to share it with everybody. There's going to be a special episode of Cells at Work that's going to air on December 26th. Really? Yep. It's a special episode. There's some news about it on um, Anime News Network. It's just a one-time thing. Um, I'm not quite sure what the episode is about. I didn't bother reading it. I just saw the title and saw that it was coming out on the 26th, and I wanted to share it. So we're going to get a little I mean, bit more. We, we do tend to go into things spoiler-free if we can. Mm -hmm. so. so, But uh, there's a little bit more cells at work uh, coming out later on this year. Uh, okay. Also, something that I'm personally very excited about, a manga that I've actually talked about on the show in the past during the recommendation of the week or, you know, just throughout the show, um, Viz Media has announced the licenses to several new manga. And one of those is Comey Can't Communicate, which is the, sh the story about the high school girl who has trouble speaking to other people. She's just mm -hmm. extremely shy. Um, and she makes friends with somebody who's able to um, read situations like nobody else. He's really, really able to put things together. Mm -hmm. And she becomes friends with him. And through him, um, she's working on a goal to make 100 friends during her high school life. Oh. Um, and it's a dar wonderful, just darling uh, manga. It's really heartwarming. It's really, uh, you know, uplifting and fun. Um, it's very, very funny. Um, especially if you, I really, really hope that they put the pun note, translator notes into the, um, uh, for the character names, uh -huh. because the main boy's name is Tada no Hito Hito. Tada no being the family name. Uh -huh. Tada no is a way of saying just, you know, like Tada no Tamago is like just an egg, you know, uh -huh. or like a regular egg. Hito Hito is like a person. So his name is just a person. His name is just a guy. <laughs> and he's completely average throughout the entire show, throughout the entire manga. Um, there is this one scene where he, they get the report cards back, mm -hmm. and uh, Komi is really smart, so she does really, really well. Uh, one of their friends is really dumb, so they do really, really poorly. Mm -hmm. And Tadano, his score matches the class average for every single category. He is exactly average in every way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, wow. so, and there's other names that are puns all throughout the entire series. Um, like there's a girl whose name is Ohai Shuki. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's constantly judging other girls' bust sizes. Uh -huh. And Ohai Shuki is a play on Opai Ski, which means she likes breasts. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay then. Yeah, yeah. Okay it's, then. Uh... <laughs> no, I, I was uh, remembering that I was watching an episode of uh, QI where they determined that there's no such thing as an average person. Mm -hmm. Where if you take any number of people, any any size of group, and you average all of their stats, mm -hmm. not one of them will match the average of all the stats combined. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just... And so this guy is a literal impossibility. Mm -hmm. You can go ahead and take that to Stephen Fry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, again, it's just a joke, but it's... Uh... It's a wonderful series. I've been loving reading that, and I've already pre-ordered the first two issues. Um, yep. and been seeing a lot of her uh, her image a lot on uh, Facebook. She's very she, memeable. She is very memeable. Um, she just has these wonderful expressions. Um, 
anyway, um, I don't want to spoil uh, any of the manga. I'd like rather have people go uh, read it, and now they can go ahead and buy it in English as well. Fair it's not coming out until I think the first issue is coming out June of next year. But right after that, the next issues I think is coming out in August. Uh -huh. So they're going to be releasing them pretty closely once they have them all translated and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, one of the reasons I'm excited for it is because I'm going to loan people the manga so they can read it themselves. Because I want more people to read this manga. It's so <laughs> good. And then uh, just the other day, we got some news that Kingdom Heart 3 has gone gold. Which means that they have, uh, in, the, in the game publishing world, mm -hmm. or the game making world, that means they have finished programming the game and it is ready to go ahead and make copies of the of the of the game and uh ship it out to the sellers okay so it th is th this has been in development hell for a long at time at least six years that i know of oh it's been they they talked about kingdom hearts 3 back with the ps3 still mm -hmm. and they showed some tech demos for it on the ps3 but for people who aren't aware of it, the PS3 was a nightmare to program for. It mm. was an absolute mess. The PS4, one of the great things about it when it first came out, um, Sony released this video where a guy who helped design the PS1 and the PS2, and he eventually became somebody at, at Sony of America, that actually helped bring in um, to bring in developer talent and make a second party uh, or first party uh, developers mm -hmm. um, like Insomniac Games and yeah. Naughty Dog. He helped bring them in to the original PlayStation, helped form their uh, companies um, and he went to those other companies and said, look, what do you guys want out of a console? And one of their biggest things was ease of development. One of the reasons people love making games for the PS1 so much is that they could have a working demo ready in four months. They could have a working game in four months on the PS4. It wouldn't be a polished, finished game, but no. it would be workable. Oh, no, that's absolutely mm -hmm. right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, any game dev worth their salt will tell you that you've got to have a functioning prototype as quickly as possible. Yep. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the PS3, it was, you know, a couple of years. Like, or like for inexperienced ones, it'd be that long, probably shorter for more experienced people. But the PlayStation 3 was just a nightmare to program for. Mm. Um, and that's one of the reasons uh, PlayStation did so well with bringing in so many games and stuff uh, near the beginning of its life for the PS4, just because, uh, you know, it was so much easier to make games for. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, that's why Kingdom Hearts 3 moved over to the PS4, because it was a lot easier to program for it. Same thing with Final Fantasy 15. Also, I think Kingdom Hearts 3, with how many delays it had, and how often Disney would mm -hmm. get new intellectual property yeah. during this period, mm -hmm. that people were like, oh, and now this needs to be in Kingdom Hearts mm -hmm. 3. And now this does. Yeah, the thing is, though, they've already announced that this is the last Kingdom Hearts game mm -hmm. with Sora. So this is wrapping up the main story of Kingdom Hearts. I don't doubt they're going to keep making Kingdom Hearts games, probably oh, no. start a new series with probably. it. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, Sora's story is wrapping up in this one. Okay. So there's, aren't there like 15 Kingdom Hearts games oh, with spinoffs and everything? I don't even, it's some absurd number. Yeah. It's just some absurd number. Um, but but yeah. there's there's apparently one, two, and thirteen spinoffs or side quests. Well, there's games. one, and then there's Chain of Memories that came out for the Game Boy Advance, and nobody played it because they thought it was just a spinoff and didn't much care about it. And but then when they started playing Kingdom Hearts two, and they thought Kingdom Hearts two was going to pick up right where Kingdom Hearts one left off, that's not the case. It takes it takes place a year after Kingdom Hearts two or Kingdom uh -huh. Hearts one, and Chain of Memories was there to fill the gap. There's actual story that goes on that like explains things about what happens mm -hmm. between one and two. So if you wanted to know what happened and why Sora's in this capsule at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts two, and you're playing this other character not Sora for the first two hours. You need to play Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Mm. Which is sad because that game was terrible. I say that because I don't like card games 
Uh, um, and it was a card-based system. Okay. Of, like make, building your own decks and no, like, yeah. using decks right. to, to fight. Yeah, I didn't. I did not enjoy it. All right. The last bit of news we have is a little bit of joy that's come into our hearts this holiday season. <laughs> there is a movie slated to come out this in about a month or so called Once Upon a Deadpool. Once Upon a Deadpool. And the trailer for this has dropped, and it's absolutely hilarious. Oh, my gosh. What's happened is, for, um, for those of you who... Um, for you listeners out there, are you familiar with The Princess Bride? If you're not, do yourself a favor and watch it. The Princess Bride <laughs> is a fantasy story that's starring uh, Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, um, Andre the Giant, mm -hmm. and uh, Mandy Patinkin. That uh, takes place in this fantasy realm, but it's also bookended and interrupted by... It's, it's a story being read by Peter Falk to a very young Fred Savage. Mm -hmm. in a very 1980s boy's bedroom. Mm -hmm. That exact same boy's bedroom, <coughs> with Fred Savage, again, is in that bed again, wondering, what is he doing here? And Deadpool has duct-taped him to the bed. Wearing the same shirt. Yes, wearing the same shirt, with all the same posters on the walls. Uh-huh. Like, and what am it I just, doing It just starts off with this image of Fred Savage just looking right off camera. Just like, what on earth is going on? And then it cuts and it shows Deadpool looking right back at him. And then it cuts between the two and he's like, what's going on? I need your help, Fred Savage. <laughs> You're gonna... you, you, exert child, you exude childhood innocence. I am a grown man. No, no one exudes childhood innocence like you, Fred. No one exudes childhood innocence like you, Fred. You're going to help me tell a, uh, tell a PG-13 version. PG version of Deadpool through the magic of childhood or, or like whatever he says. But he's got this like, book. I need you almost as much as you need me. I don't need you. I don't need you at all. You do need me to untie you when we're done here. And he flips up, he flips up the bed and Fred Savage has just been bound to the bed. He's like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> and yeah, so what they're doing is that they're telling the story of Deadpool, but they've intercut, um... They've intercut these scenes with Fred Savage to cut out more of the gore. That way they can still progress more the story. More of the gore and the vulgarity. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're making a PG-13 version of it in this way. Yeah. With the I was... Now, you said linked me to an article that was about uh, that they made this movie for to help raise money for charity. Yes. Mm, Fred, um, uh, Fox apparently has been trying to get uh, Ryan Reynolds to make a PG-13 Deadpool for a very long time. Um, Generally speaking, PG-13 movies do capitalize better yes, than R-rated mm -hmm. movies. But the thing is, Deadpool's not that type of character. Like, no. making a PG-13 Deadpool would just ruin the character. And I myself, I've never seen the Deadpool movies just because I don't much care for any of our content uh, on the big screen. Um, but, um, you know, when I thought about a PG-13 Deadpool, I'm like, well, I don't want to see that. That's not it seems be like so watered down. Yeah, it's going to be watered character. down. It's not going to be the real Deadpool. Um, and then, um, then we I saw heard, this trailer and then I, well, I heard about the, I, I read about the article first and shared, shared that with you. Yeah. And then you shared the trailer with me just the other day. Um, and I couldn't stop laughing while I was watching the trailer because it's just so good. But yeah, um, Ryan Reynolds had, um, two caveats in order to do a PG 13 Deadpool. Uh -huh. First was that part of the proceeds had to go to charity okay. and it's, it's a charity about fighting cancer. Fantastic. Um, and I think it's a dollar per ticket sale is going to go towards this charity. That, that is a charity that Deadpool would support. Mm -hmm. I think it's like F cancer is what okay. it's called. Um, but yeah. I'm not going to go ahead and say the full word. We're yeah. trying to keep this family friendly. Uh, anyway, he, um, anyway, uh, and, and the second, the, the caveat yeah. was that he needs to, he needs to kidnap Fred Savage. <laughs> 
And apparently they, they got the set and the costumes and everything, and they filmed everything they needed in just a day. So everything, everything between him and Fred Savage took a single day of, uh, of filming. Good for But him. there's this great line in the trailer where, and it's just at the very end of it, where Fred Savage just says, I'm more of a Marvel guy myself. And he's like, we are Marvel. We are Marvel. No, no, you're not. Like, yes, we are. No, no, no. You're, 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 you're Marvel, Marvel licensed by Fox. Licensed by Fox. And you see, that'd be like the Beatles being produced by Nickelback. It's still music, but it sucks. And then, oh, you were nicer as a child, Fred Savage. You were nicer as a child, Fred Savage. <laughs> it's still music, but it sucks. <gasps> it's like the Beatles licensed by it's like the Beatles produced by Nickelback. It's still music, but it sucks. Wow. Oh. Uh. So, Gosh, yeah. So that is great. Anyway, we've spent way much, too much time talking about news mm-hmm. so far, um, but uh, was there anything else we wanted to cover before we jumped into three episodes in? Actually, yes. Okay. Um, another movie trailer dropped recently. Okay. Uh, Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu, yes. Which, it's still Ryan Reynolds, uh-huh. and it's so Ryan Reynolds that I can't separate the Deadpool from the Pikachu. <laughs> As I'm watching it, a lot and there's, of people and there's, can't. And there's been some memes out there. My favorite one calls it uh, says, "What I was, what I watched, was the was this uh, was the trailer. What I was expecting was something closer to the game." We're starting to spike on the mics. Let's go ahead and keep our voices down. We're but, a bit too excited about but, this stuff. What I actually got, Deadpool three, the Great Mouse Detective. Deadpool three, the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. <laughs> well, um, I watched the trailer, and the trailer looks great. I really want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Mother's Basement actually talked about the trailer. And yeah. He said, like, he compared it to video game movies of old, where they're just trying to crash of old. Video uh-huh. game movies <laughs> that have been made, where they're just trying to cram everything about the video game into a 90-minute film. Right. And that doesn't work. One of his big go-tos was the Mario Brothers movie, which a lot of people hate. Um, I personally love that movie simply because of it's of child. It was I was like what six or seven when that movie first came out, so I didn't know any better. Mario Brothers is a great movie if one you separate it from the canon of the rest of the Mario franchise, Mm -hmm. and two realize that the director not only didn't really care about the original Mario franchise, he went out to produce his own um, cyberpunk. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, masterpiece, which is actually it's really good if you just t- disassociate it. If from you the disassociate other it from the fact that you know they called it Mario Brothers, yes. But you know that movie is a train wreck if you consider it a Mario Brothers movie. I still love it. I no, mean, yeah. it's a, it's Bob Hoskins is amazing. Mm-hmm. John Leguizamo is great. Mm-hmm. It's a fun, it's you know, it's a fun movie. I mean, and, and go uh, ahead and at me if you want to, but no matter what you say about it, I'm still going to going to enjoy the movie. Sure. Like with Dragon Ball Evolution, the movie's pure garbage. <laughs> I went to go watch it with my friends, and we, I just had a smile plastered on my face the entire time because it was so much fun. It's okay. a terrible movie. I will agree with you every you know seven days yeah. a week that the movie is bad. Uh-huh. I love it. Anyway, um, apparently one of the big problems with it was that uh, with, what, I mean, with with it? the Dragon Ball Z movie uh-huh. was that um, Amer- American producers didn't believe American audiences would uh, would associate with a protagonist who still maintains a childlike innocence in his adulthood, and so they made him angsty. Yeah, yeah, they did that. So that's not re- that's not the real Goku. Mm-hmm. But it's a real fun Well, thing. childlike innocence is more like childlike ignorance for Goku. Uh-huh. He's not very innocent. He's ju- he's more just ignorant about everything. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, anyway, A Mother's Basement was talking about how, you know, pretty much the only movie that is considered a good video game movie up to this point uh-huh. is the Mortal Kombat cult classic movie back in the day. Sure. Um, 
and uh, you know I watched that. I, I love that movie. That movie's great. Um, but he and he said one of the reasons this is going to work so well is because this is telling us a different story set in the Pokemon universe. This mm-hmm. isn't trying to take you know it's not trying to recreate hours, the event. Of... It's not trying to recreate the events of a thirty-hour video game. It's uh-huh. trying to just tell us a game that's pretty much a point-and-click adventure game. Which and he pointed this out, and I kind of agree with him. Point-and-click adventure games would make fantastic movies because they're inspired by movies themselves. They're mm-hmm. meant to be playable movies. So, yeah. um, honestly, which, somebody... Which I absolutely loved the uh, the new remake of King's Quest. Yeah, uh, that was great. With Christopher Lloyd. And you could watch that as a movie. Yeah. You totally could. Especially that one that one great line where he walks off a pier and then just dies. Uh-huh. And Christopher Lloyd says, and the end. And the girl uh, says, of, of the, the sentence? sentence? And then he pops back up again. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fantastic that, as a movie. That happens anytime he dies. It's one yeah. of th- three possible things uh-huh. when you make the wrong choice and yeah. die. The <laughs> end. Of the sentence? Of the sentence? And then he comes back. And that is on one of the many occasions on which I died. (laughs) Grandpa, Mm -hmm. get serious. But, um, yeah, I mean, if there are any Hollywood producers out there, get on making a Monkey Island movie. That would be fantastic. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and go to three episodes in. Let's do it. All right, this week, I chose for us to watch Planet With. I don't know why it says plant with. Oh, it's probably because I typed it in manually, but it's planet with. Yeah, that, I had that question last week, yeah. too. So, like, what, what, what is this show called? Yeah, the planet. My mistake. Yeah, My it's, mistake. It's fine. All right. It's fine. Soya Kuroi, who is a high schooler living a peaceful life despite having no memories of his past. One day, however, his town is attacked by one of the mysterious nebula weapons. Together with the cat-like sensei and the gothic Lolita Ginko, she's... I guess, yeah, she's a Lolita, definitely. Mm -hmm. Soya gets dragged into a battle against seven superheroes who protect the town. What is Soya's reason to fight? The answer lies in his memories. Neat. Mm -hmm. All right, and let's go ahead and jump right into it. And I think we both kind of started off with our list of things we liked about the show similarly. Um, I just, um, for me anyways, one of the first things we see, we see uh, Soya having a memory where somebody... Make sure somebody's making sure he's okay before that one person flies off, and several other people fly off as well, and they're all flying up towards this massive dragon in the sky while everything's on fire. Right. And then there's this massive explosion, and he gets thrown by this explosion, and then he wakes up in his bed, and he's like, "Oh, I had that dream about the. I had a, I had a weird dream." And he looks up what a dream with a dragon means in, like, in a, yeah. a growth or a big change. Coming. Growth or a big change. Good luck, okay. you know? And I, not like, it's not telling him good luck. It's saying you're going to have good luck ah, yes. type thing. Um, and so uh, as he is uh, reading this, the door opens and we're introduced to a uh, Ginko, yes. uh, the gothic Lolita. Uh, she, she's a uh, green haired French maid. Yeah. The anime made uh, trope. The anime made trope, yeah. I mean, she doesn't have the short French made skirt, but it's, no, it's, long, it's, it's longer. A, it's a uh... European made outfit, yes. is what is typically what it is. Um, but she, uh, she comes in and uh, tells him that his breakfast is ready after teasing him because he freaks out. And, you know, she's like, Oh, like, did I walk in on you on a bad moment? And he's like, No, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Get out of here. And so they go and he eats breakfast and um, we see the entire thing is just... Uh, and so he starts eating breakfast and there's just this giant cat-headed cat person mm-hmm. sitting there. And, and it, it reminds it... me a little bit of uh, one of the characters from Azamangadayo. 
a little bit. Just just in the fact that there's just this weird character standing there with eyes open that never blink. Okay. Um, it's, the, it's, it's not the same thing. It, no, no, it's yeah. not the same it's thing. It's a very different I, character design. Yeah, I can, I can, I can kind of get that vibe. The only thing is that in Azumanga Daio, the only time we see that character alive, uh-huh. I would say, is in somebody's dreams. Mm. Every other time we see that character, it's a stuffed animal. Yeah. Um, so this thing looks like a living stuffed animal, basically. Yes. It, mm-hmm. The head is too big to be supported by the body that it's on, and it's. Mm-hmm. But it picks. Oh. But it eats a breakfast of a massive head of of cabbage, and just... it opens up with a full mouth of human teeth, mm-hmm. and just starts eating this cabbage. Ah, so weird. And I just thought to myself, this right here is the perfect setup for us for letting us know we're not going to be in for a normal a normal ride. No, um, th- things are not right in this world. Mm-hmm. So he has a it's a one room apartment, pretty much. It's a mm-hmm. tiny tiny apartment they're living in. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's got a maid and this cre- crazy cat being that they call Sensei. Now, uh, sensei, they do refer, they do say sensei to people who are teachers, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that they are a teacher. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that that's their job. It doesn't mean they're a school teacher. Right. A, it's, it's more mm-hmm. of an honorific. Well, it's also... It, Don't they call doctors sensei sometimes? Yes. And I, th- and from my own, and this is just my own personal experience. Um, don't quote me on this because I could very, very well be wrong, but I kind of, uh, view, uh, sensei when they say somebody who is sensei. Um, it means that they have something to learn from them. Mm, yes. So that's kind of what I've gathered. But at the same time, they don't really use it at work. They'll use it for someone who they greatly respect, who's taught them a lot of things at work. Sure. Um, usually somebody who's higher up in the company. Um, but yeah, anyway, so they call this cat creature sensei. And then he um, and he then goes to work. He then goes to school. Yes, and on mm-hmm. his way to school, he meets his... Uh... Uh, he meets he, his classmate. He meets his uh, classmate, the class rep, mm-hmm. who's this cute little girl with uh, um, auburn hair auburn and glasses. Hair and, glasses. Mm-hmm. and she's and very she's, chipper, very um, trying. She clearly is trying her best to be outgoing, mm-hmm. like she's trying not to be shy. Mm-hmm. Is the uh, the uh, persona that she's exuding? Okay. Oh well, yeah, no, and you're right. She's uh, she's very kind, um, and uh, I think it's kind of obvious that she kind of has a thing for um, for for Soya. Yeah, and she's... Uh, because she just kind of blushes when she talks to him, type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and he oh says oh hey it's you and she's like y- you don't remember my name do you? And he's like no no I don't. <laughs> and we'll learn why later. Um, there I don't remember why, but he has a reason to call her like. It was no. It was a lunch thing later. It was lunch thing later. Yeah. That you, okay. Yeah, they're having lunch. Uh, that was a, was that a different episode where he he shouts her name. Uh, or it's ca- episode. Calls. It's episode two or three where he says her name and says it wrong and makes it sound like it's food rather than her name. No, no, but I mean, um, where where he's either calling her Megane. Oh yeah, no, no, that's episode one. Is that that's okay. episode one? Yeah. Um, when, when does that happen? It happens pretty soon, actually. Okay. Um, after he gets to school, uh, we then cut back to um, Sensei and um, and Ginko, and they both notice something. And they say, oh, so it's finally happening. Yes. And then it cuts back to school, and they're... Well, I think they have lunch first. So they have lunch on the roof, and yeah, he's just complaining it. that he doesn't have meat. He just wants meat. And that's a running gag in this show, is that he's... 
desperate for meat and just can't he's see. a growing boy and he wants protein and every single one of his meals is just completely vegetable based veggies and rice veggies and rice and he's just like this i can't i can't do this anymore and um um the girl um the, the class rep comes up and says oh no well here would you like some well, would you like some of my hamburger steak and he says oh thank you so much megane sama and megane in japanese means classes well, she mishears it and says, "Oh, oh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a goddess. You don't have to say that about me." When she's and goddess is um, Megami, uh-huh. so it's just one syllable different. Um, and she, uh, and but then she realizes, "Wait a minute, you just called me glasses, didn't you?" <laughs> and then she shares part of the hamburger steak w- uh, with him, and, and it turns out to be tofu-based hamburger steak. <sighs> <laughs> and he starts crying he's like <coughs> and she reads the situation wrong thinking that he's happy those are tears of joy but it's tears of joy she's like did you like it that much well anyways they're in school next um and he uh and something something mm. occurs to him moments before the rest of before a speaker system warning um the entire class that some unidentified flying object mm-hmm. is heading towards the coast please evacuate the city mm-hmm I think that hap- I think what happens is that it cuts back to uh, Sensei and and Ginko at that point. At that point, yeah. and they say, "Oh, they're finally here." And then it cuts back, and he notices it, and then we get the announcement. Yeah, so there's mm-hmm. clearly something about him where he's becoming aware of it more uh, sooner mm-hmm. than other people. So we just we haven't figured out what that element in him is yet, mm-hmm. but something's going on. Some yeah. psychic ability. Mm-hmm. But he um, because they have dropped the word psychic a couple times in this show now. Yeah. Um, and he starts getting super excited because they talk about this massive unidentified flying object. And he's like, it's probably a UFO. That's great. That's great. Aliens. Oh, wait. I've always wanted oh, to see aliens. I forgot to mention, um, uh, during, I believe it's during lunch, Soya lets uh, the girl know. And during lunch, she tries to, she teaches him her name again. Uh-huh. And we skip that. Her name is Takamagahara. Takamagahara. Yeah. That's a six syllable name. And she gets upset at him. Because he can't remember it. It's not an easy name to remember. No. And then she learns, uh, he lets it out that he doesn't have any memories. That the last, the earliest thing he remembers is waking yeah, up in she, that room. She, she and... opens up about her middle school experience and then asks him about his. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when we find well, out that like, she was very shy mm-hmm. and just, and transferred into middle school middle of the year and didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And and he says but... to her, I think actually I think it was in... No, anyways, you're right. It was in middle school when she transferred. But she, I got confused with some of the other with some of the other characters we meet later on. There's a lot of transfer students in this show. <laughs> but um, she, uh... do you sit in this desk? <laughs> Does your daughter sit in this desk? <laughs> she may very well be a magical, a magical girl. girl. I want to see more of those. I w- Jeff needs to come out with more um, public service anime videos. Those things are just amazing. But anyway, um. Anyway, uh, yeah, and so he says, I don't remember anything, you know, I don't remember anything from before, you know, a few weeks back when I first transferred to the school, and she's like, you have amnesia, and then uh, we learn, and then we get to the classroom, and the, the alarm goes off, and he's like, that's a UFO, this is incredible, and she's like, what are you doing, you have to come with the rest of us, he's like, no, I want to see the UFO, we can have a great view of it right here. She then proceeds to lecture him at a high speed, telling him that UFO just means it's an unidentified flying object, it means we haven't identified it yet, it could be a missile from an unknown country, it could be any kind of 
of uh, plane or weapon sent to harm us. We need to evacuate. It's no, it is very unlikely that it's alien in origin. And he's and, like, and wow, like, you know How do you of... know all this all of a sudden? Because I'm in the occult club. Now, come on. Yeah. Wait, occult club? Like, occult is in occult? Yeah, occult is in occult? Uh-huh. And so they, they then go to the gym, and uh, he gets a phone call while he's in the gym from Ginkgo. And Ginkgo says, go outside. Make, need... an, make up an excuse, just go outside. Go, go to a big clear area. Go to a big clear area. And he's like, what? Why? Just just tell him you're going to go to the bathroom. Just do something. Get out. But really, no one's going to believe me if I say that. And finally, he gets up and he goes. And the girl, um, I'm just going to go call her by Nozomi rather than Takamagahara. Uh-huh. Nozomi is her first name, which we learn in, a, in another episode. But she's trying to stop him. She's like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, you, you need to stay here. He's like, no, I've got to go to the bathroom. And then he runs off. Because there's a running gag throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the last, next couple episodes, which he's like, he hasn't come back to school. He went to go to the bathroom and never came back. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> but he uh, he goes off to the bathroom and someone outside is like, what are you doing? Get in there. He's like, I've got to go to the bathroom. You're going the, You're wrong, going way. the wrong way. I'm going to the bathroom. As he runs off of school property and stuff. <laughs> Um, and then he gets picked up. Which suddenly reminds me of that episode of that, that comic strip of Calvin and Hobbes where mm-hmm. he asks the teacher to go to the bathroom. He walks home and says, I prefer our bathrooms. I think he was drinking wa- was uh, drinking water at that time. Something like that. Yeah, he's just like, can I get a glass of water? Yes, Calvin, you may. And so he leaves and he ends up home and his mom's like, what are you doing home? And he says, I prefer our water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Oh, Calvin. Uh, Okay, anyway, um... Okay, so, and then we find out that there are giant, monstrously off, creepy teddy bears floating in yeah, the sky. Yeah, well, I forget what Where they're they called, have, but there's a special type of Japanese toy. Like, it's it's like a, it's like a, 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 a kind of a rod that has like a, a head on the top. Uh-huh. It's like a special type of doll. Um, but this one, it's like got kind of... Uh, cartoony shape of a bear but then it's got like it's got mouths in the ears it's, it's got, got teeth, teeth and in thing. the ears and it's got like six little baby arms and i mean like they're all of them and they're all left arms five left arms hanging out from the bottom of it mm-hmm. it's and got it's got two ears, ears where, the, where the shoulders should be mm-hmm. and it has a giant nose on its back mm-hmm. and this thing starts flying towards and the it has city. the word peas written on it not peace mm-hmm. peas mm-hmm but he, but and then the and these devices are showing up all across the entire world, and every single one of them is going towards a coastal city. Um, so people are there's this mass panic going on, and um, some uh, some of the uh, JSDF um, yes. Japanese Self Defense Force, some of their pilots go out to f- attack this thing, and they shoot missiles at it. And this reminded me of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh-huh. where one of the missiles hits the hits the uh, the. Or all the missiles hit this uh, this thing in the air, uh-huh. and they all zip open and cotton yeah, they, falls out. They, like they, they break it's like the they, seams. It's like they immediately turned into plushy versions of missiles mm-hmm. and then burst open. Yeah, and the reason I which, say it reminded me of Hitchhiker's Guide is because they travel using the infinite improbability drive, which <laughs> changes things into random things just for humorous effect. But, Where, whereas what they were more reminded me of was Paprika and just the bizarre what nature of changing things into something slightly different i haven't seen paprika in years but it's just so twisted mm-hmm. yeah no um anyway um so and then they get hit by this beam of light like this kind of explosion of light and it hits one of the pilots yes and this pilot sees 
a vision of his... His wife and his daughter, and we found a doctor and everything's going to be fine. He found a doctor and everything's going to be just fine. And... And the puppy. And they have a puppy. And he's like, okay, and he just goes off. And he just kind of flies off on his own. And the other two are calling for him and says, no, I'm going home. It's fine, I'm going home. You know? Yeah, and so and, he's flying a fighter jet to wherever it is he lives. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he's going to land it. Yep. But, but um... Anyway, we... uh and so, we never see him again. Yeah, we, well, we haven't seen him yet. So... In, in the first three in the episodes, episodes, we have not seen him again. Right. Um, I find that I say a lot of things that end up being shown in episode four. <laughs> like in... Um, like in... Um, Nisekoi, uh-huh. where they did not say the best friend's name for three episodes. Boom, there it is. Episode four, four, they say his name. I'm just like, fine, whatever. It was way. more funny if there was this guy who claimed to be his best friend and we never knew his name. But Just a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> Taranoki Tokito. <laughs> guy. Okay, so it's... Now, what happens is... There's helicopter next, reporters. There's helicopter reporters reporting mm-hmm. in on this, and then they notice that there's seven people who haven't been evacuated. And these seven people jump off of a pier and go flying towards this thing like oh are we watching superheroes and so everybody's got their phones out and they're watching the live news and Mm -hmm. seeing these superheroes fly off to fight these things um and uh yeah these guys transform into cuddly bear battle mech type things um like one's a bear and one's a cat and one's i wouldn't say so cuddly um they're just i would say stylized version of versions of animals right um, but they they they, they kind of have a Baymax ish aesthetic to them, mm, where they're poofy. I would say yes to that for the one that looks like a giant sheep, but there's also like um, well, they're all very rounded in. There's not they're not very angular like you would expect like other mech anime would be. I can kind of it's just I I I forget what they're called, but in in Okinawa they have these little um, statues. That are like little lion creatures that would protect the homes from from uh, evil spirits, mm-hmm. and they're very very swirly in design. Okay. So that's what they reminded me of. Not so much as Baymax, but they reminded me of those little those little creatures. And okay. I can't remember what they're called. But every house in Okinawa, on the entrance to their home, they have one on each pillar, um, a male and a female. Okay. So that's what it reminded me of. That's why I'm kind of not really agreeing with you on that. That's that's not the vibe that I got at all. All right. And also, like, um, well, the, we, that's why we do this podcast. Yeah. We have different experiences and we share them. Uh huh. But the the lowly girl, um, hers is I would say hers is fairly angular. I didn't, I didn't think so. Okay. Anyway, um, so these seven people fly off towards this machine, and or this this object and this object, um actually fights back it sends mini versions of itself out like missiles um and there's a lot of them and they get struck um by these little uh machines um like these little missiles yes. and their their mechs get damaged but then they kind of and the, the, the little missiles the, are like mini versions of itself yeah mm-hmm. uh which 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 i just said but anyway <laughs> You still there? Everything okay? No, everything's fine. Keep going. Okay. Uh, anyway, he... Um, well, anyway, um, they they hear this female voice talking to them, guiding them, uh, telling them what they need to do, like try to find a weakness. And on they find on the back this kind of little glowing area. And the the guy who seems to be the leader of this group, the guy who's been issuing commands out, out to them in the field, he flies into this portal. Mm-hmm. And he sees um, a burning house. 
um, and a firefighter, and he sees him, and he is suddenly a much younger version of himself. And this firefighter is keeping him from going to the house, and he's screaming for his mom. My mom's in there. Please, you have to save my mom. And um, he's remembering, oh, that's right. This is the time when my mom died. Yeah. When I couldn't save my mom. And suddenly the whole... And, and, and this is the reason the, I... Suddenly the firefighter that's holding him back uh -huh. well, is he, him. Well, he says, and this is the reason that I became. And then it cuts to him being the firefighter. And he says, yeah. don't worry, I'm going to go in and save her. And then he runs in and he grabs her. And um, uh, he goes in and he gets his mom. And then suddenly they're walking down the same... Um, the same park that the pilot was in just a park filled with cherry trees and he um and he's talking to his mom and says there's this great girl that i found um we're gonna get married soon uh she was there for me ever since middle school ever since you know ever since i lost you um and she says oh that's great that's so wonderful you found someone to t to, to be with um and he says and i became a firefighter so i could help save people like ever when i when i left high school, which I think he means when he graduated high school, he became a firefighter. Um, and he tells his mom that, I'm sorry, I couldn't save you. And she says, it's okay. You're able to help save other people now. And then he realizes that this is an illusion. He, he starts hearing the voices of oh, his teammates hearing, who are mm, radioing mm, into him. Yeah. And he realizes that this is an illusion and that he has to do something about it. And so inside of the illusion, he turns into his mech and he jumps into the air and he punched and he brings his fist down on his mom. And just as he's about to make a connection, we see a message. And the screen goes black and we just see a message in, in white. Uh -huh. And it just says, I forgive you. Yeah. And it shakes the hero for a little bit. and But then he punches the illusion of his mother and everything shatters and the machine gets destroyed from the inside out. Mm -hmm. um, and that made me think, are these really the heroes? They might believe that they're the heroes, but what is it that they're actually fighting? Yeah. Right there from the beginning, I'm just like, these guys are, are supposedly the heroes, but there's a lot more going on here than they realize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and anyways, the heroes go fly off and they kind of separate. Um, so, you know, the news doesn't interpret, uh, intercept them or anything or they don't get interviewed or whatnot. Yeah. They, so they, they can keep their identity off. secret. And, um, the, the guy who destroyed the, the machine from the inside, uh, he lands on a mountain and he starts, he walks out of the forest just to come face to face with, um, with Soya and Sensei. And Soya is wearing a mask. Yes. Uh, he's wearing kind of a V-shaped mask, um, that Which covers his eyes and nose. It kind of reminded me of Kashern's faceplate. Yeah, a little bit, huh? Yeah, but it covers his eyes and nose, and it's like it's six lights, three on each side, going mm -hmm. up in a in a V shape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, he's like, "Really? Do I have to do this?" And he's like, "Yes, just say the line like we told you to." He's hearing the voice of Ginko, uh -huh. and Ginko also acts as a translator for Sensei. Yeah, Sensei will say, "Sensei will go, Mao," or he'll just say, "Ah," or something, something you know, like and then she will translate. And then she'll translate for him. But he says. All right. Are you not going to tell me what he said? <laughs> well, and then... Um, <laughs> that happens later. So he reaches out his hand and says, give me the source of your power. And he's like, that's so stupid. Why did I say that? Don't worry. He'll know what you're talking about. And the guy just goes, he grabs his chest and he jumps back and says, who are you? Like, uh, uh -huh. uh, 
and oh, so you wear it around your neck, huh? And he's like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, and uh, one thing leads to another, and uh, Sensei. Sensei tells him that it's time to armor up or something like that. Uh-huh. And and our main character so like, is just like, wait, what? What, what are you talking and about? Sensei jumps over him and gobbles him up. There's and he's like, ah, ah, what are you doing? Ah. And he swallows him up. And Sensei then turns into a smaller version of one of these mechs. Yes. Uh, but rather than being gold, and each mech seems to be gold and then another primary, another unique. <laughs> Gold, a primary color, and then it exudes a rainbow of energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So. But anyway, he then, um, this one is just kind of black, silver, and blue. Yes. Um, And I really liked the the design of this mech. It actually mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of Clank from Ratchet. No, Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank with the big ears. Okay. And uh, just the way he moved. Okay. So. Yeah, I guess you're, I guess, I guess that is true, huh? He does kind of move like. Uh, like Ratchet. I'm trying to remember what kind of species Ratchet is. Anyways. Yeah. It's like the entire PS3 series is based off of figuring out what what he is. Yeah. Anyway. Um, he, uh... So, he, um... Uh, so, uh, so the, hero, fight, the, the hero, hero gets into his suit and they end up fighting. And the hero realizes that after all the ex- exertion he put himself under trying to take out this main... Uh, this this larger mech that he's not at a hundred percent. He's actually very weakened, mm-hmm. but he's still. But so he tries to defeat um, our hero, our main mm-hmm. character, uh, in a uh, a pretty amazing uh, dark uh, nighttime fight between mm-hmm. the two of them. Yep, and the main character is actually doing really really well against the hero, and eventually, like, um, he uh, yeah he. Um, he gets to kind of an emotional peak in the fight and then he summons this hammer and uses this hammer and he just shatters. He hits the head of the main hero's mech with it and just shatters the mech. And the hero falls down on the ground, just Uh him because the mech has been destroyed and the mech is like a psychic materialization. Um, Mm -hmm. Which turns out to be held in a small glass vial and it's just these... Glitter stars. They look like like I forget what beach they are, they are, but there there's an actual beach that sand actually looks like stars, mm. and you can buy it in little jars just like that. Neat. So that's what it reminded me of. And the vial mm. is small. It reminded me of um, the vial that uh, the llama potion was in. Oh and, gosh, uh, that's how small it was. Yay, it's just a very little. I'm a llama, llama again. again. Wait, Wait. <laughs> but okay. So and then as the hero's trying to get back up. Um, Ginkgo jumps down from behind, grabs his necklace, and then jumps off. Yeah. Jumps up. And, um, but all this time, Soya's saying to himself, these guys are just using me as a tool. They're using me as a weapon for their They're own purposes. They're training me to be a soldier in They're their war. They're training me to be a soldier in their war. I don't want to do this. I've got to get away from these guys. And then he like, says that to himself, and then she hands him the vial, uh-huh. and he grabs the vial, and then he gets a memory. Uh-huh. And he gets the memory that is the dream that he had earlier in the episode yes. of what turns out to be his home planet being destroyed. And he all he remembers is that these guys are somehow using the power that that this um, that was used to destroy his home planet. Yeah. And so he vows revenge on the rest of I'm gonna kick the butts of all uh, Yeah, and he and he, and he, he realizes he realizes that the power they're using is the power that was used to destroy his planet. Hmm. And he vows to defeat them all. Um and that's where and episode one 
uh, ends with the girl who's giving them orders talking to a man with dragon eyes and very, very, like, wild red hair. Um, So it was a very mm -hmm. Ganon-esque... figure yes yes so, so very very so. so his character design I, and this mm-hmm. is one of my atom mm-hmm. notes is that his character design just felt like is this guy a hero or a villain because he could be because his your first impressions of him are villain mm-hmm. that the heroes well, are being used by a by a mastermind yeah that's... Uh, that's that's the first impression you are supposed to have i feel mm-hmm. seeing him at the last clip right after the opening credits mm-hmm. uh, right after the uh the closing but yeah and she says to him uh has been defeated and that's the end of the first episode yeah uh second episode starts um with a meeting yes. and all the heroes are around a table and, and they're all discussing his, the defeat of mm-hmm. uh what's his name again of hideo hideo and, and like well hideo was the weakest of us well, so, like, well, well, so they started with the weakest of us that's fine and that's that's the little lowly that's uh that's Miu who's yeah. saying that she's like they start he started with the weakest of us like there's no big deal and then the secretary who uh she she learned uh, that her name is that she pulls up a chart and says actually he was the strongest of you all and like and it shows like kind of this graph chart of like, um the rest of you are like eight percent less yeah the the rest of you are about eight percent eight within eight percentage of each other so you're around the same but he was by far the strongest of you and you see his numbers way above everybody else's and, <laughs> and he's just and like they, and oh. they start talking about those horrible things that happened to him and then they cut to him who's standing at the table like guys i'm i'm here guys i'm right here yeah <laughs> because they spent this whole time talking mm-hmm. as if he wasn't and they, they come to the decision that, uh, and their names real fast. It turns out this group is called Grand Paladin, and they believe that they're the people who are going to save the world. Uh-huh. Um, and we have uh, Haru, who's a young, we have Miu, who's the lowly with pink hair. We have Haru, who seems to be a young um, brown-haired girl mm. bl- who's lacking confidence or very, very shy, keeping yeah. to herself. We have Benika, who is um, uh, seems to be the strict woman type, long red pony hair, uh, ponytail. Yeah. Uh, we've got Yosuke. Um, she is, um, Yosuke is the, we don't know much about him yet, but he's got green hair and glasses. And then we've got Nezuya, the guy who always poses, reading books. He's got blue hair. Um, and then we've got, uh, Takezo, who's the old man. Yes. Um, anyway. Who's uh, apparently the father of the Ganondorf-esque figure. The father of, um, I've got his name. Where did I put his name down? It's their boss. Takashi. Takashi. Okay. Takashi. Yep, Takazo is Takashi's dad. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, they're all discussing what to do and they come to the to the, the decision that they're gonna pair up, that they're always gonna be traveling around in groups mm-hmm. after after their fights, uh, just so they don't get ambushed like that again. Yeah. Um, but um and um ta- Takashi tells Hideo because Hideo says, well, there's no more point in me being here. I can't fight alongside with you. I'll go so get going. And Takashi says, no, actually, I want you to go ahead and lead up the investigation and learn who these people are. And we learn through this, this this conversation that the enemies who are attacking Earth are called Nebula. Uh-huh. And they go ahead and they name, um, they name, uh, I keep forgetting his name, Soya. They keep, and they name Soya a Nebula soldier. Yes, a Nebula soldier. And they call the weapons that were over the ocean a Nebula weapons. Nebula weapons. Um, but, um... They ask what he remembers about the fight, and he just says, "I, I don't really remember much. I mean, there, I remember the fight itself, but there was a young boy. There were yeah, there and was a girl, and, 
and all of his memories are like he he remembers the mask, but the mm. mask, but the face behind the mask was all this sensor blur that he couldn't. Yeah, sense. Well, it wasn't just the face; it was the entire body. The entire yeah. body was like that. And it, then it's like it's like there was mm. a perception filter that mm. the mask activated mm. when it turns on. And the uh, the same thing with uh, with um, Ginko. Like yeah, her face ma- was covered by the cat by like a sticker of the cat. Yeah, and her body was all fuzzy as well. Same with Sensei. Sensei, even though it was his own face. Yeah, Sensei's <laughs> face was covered with another cat sticker, and his body was was the cat phasing around as well. His, his face was covered with the sticker of his own face. Yep, <laughs> it's the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we learned that you know, um. And that's actually, like, I know there's kind of a plot hole in Magical Girl anime where they always have the same face, but I always just kind of filled in the blanks myself that it's a magical transformation where we see their faces because we know who they are, but that Uh doesn't mean the enemy sees their faces, you know? I always kind of figured there was some kind of a magical interference that made their faces uh, look different to the enemies. Right. But, you know, that's that's just a blank I filled in myself. And now we can see that that's actually what they're doing in this anime, which made me very happy. I thought that was cool. Um, anyway, um, the heroes all pair up. Um, Miu and um, and Haru team up. Benika and Yosuke team up. And then Nezuya and... Um, actually, no, that's right. It's Benika and Nezuya who team up. And then it's Yosuke and Takezo who team up. Yes. And as everyone leaves except for Takazo, and Takazo's like, son, can you give me, loan me some more money? And he's just like... What happened to the 30,000 yen I gave you yesterday? Yeah, which is about 300 bucks. He's like, yeah. what happened to the 30,000 yen I gave you yesterday? I spent it all at the usual place. And you, which, 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 they, which there's a beat, and you go, what is this guy's usual place? Well, you first think that this guy's a gambler. Like, uh, you know, like, he's he's just throwing the money away. Is, is he a no. gambler? Is he a lecher? Is he going to uh, no. clubs with... with? Is he going to uh, gentleman clubs or whatever? Some, Host what clubs? Is, what is he doing? He's going to eat steak. <laughs> and there's a clip later in this... Ep- I don't remember if it was the middle of episode two or the beginning of episode three. I think mm-hmm. it was the middle of episode two where they actually... There's a news report... The, uh, the, uh, of a mysterious uh, old man, man that goes to these steak places and puts them out of business. Eats them out of business. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a great follow up. I was like, oh wow. But anyway, he, uh, the son says starts... no. And the old man's like, meat is the only thing I can enjoy in life anymore. If you take this away from me, uh, it's like, just deal with him. Yeah. And Shidai, she takes him, uh, takes him away. Uh huh. Um, the, the secretary? The secretary, she, yeah. and she she takes him away, and then we kind of hear them outside as um, this guy starts saying, Nebula, I will not let you um, take this planet. I will protect the humans. It will uh-huh. be me who protects the humans. Um, and uh, again, we hear the, uh, <laughs> we hear, like, he says, please, please just give me some money so I can go ahead and get some meat. Maybe you can come with me. It will be a lot of fun. And then he gets pissed off and turns around and says, will you shut the... And then it cuts <laughs> off. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, the ever since the um, the incident at school, or like with the UFOs, um, Sayo has not gone back to school. Right. Um, and it's been a couple of days, and we see a news report, and this is where we see um, we see uh, Nozomi saying that yeah, like they say, well, we're gonna go ahead and ask this high this middle schooler about the incident. She's like, actually, I'm a high schooler. Which the same thing happened to uh, so- Soya in an earlier episode, where he's just like, "No, I'm." Uh... No, there was this episode. There's episode two where he oh, was. Won- episode two where he's mistaken. Okay, so yeah. 
anyways, that's right. That interview happens in episode three. So let's get okay. back to that when we get to episode three. But episode okay. two, uh, he decides he wants to become stronger so he can go ahead and defeat his enemies more. And, and he decides that school is not important anymore. Yeah. And so he's going to... And then he finds a pair of iron clogs and for those of you who don't know what japanese clogs are they're not the dancing shoes no. um they are those wooden platform shoes that you see the wooden platform sandals wooden platform sandals um and he finds ones that are made of iron and he gets super excited and then he goes for a run wearing those uh, and it's uh, really hard uh, for him god because mm-hmm. those are sandals and the only place you grip them is between your toes yeah but he runs and he goes to um a park bench he, he sits on a park bench Oh, that, uh, that's right. Nozomi's wondering where he is because he hasn't been back to school. She sees his desk empty, and then we cut to him running through yeah. running through a park as quickly as he can, which is not very fast. No, it's, um, it's pretty funny. And he Stomping sits down, and he gets a flashback of his planet being destroyed, and he's just overcome by the emotion of it. And he's swearing revenge against these people as he starts crying. Uh-huh. And then he notices somebody coming up, and he stops himself crying, and the person, this person sits right next to him. And he looks, and it's the hero that he defeated the previous night. Yes. And he starts freaking out a little bit. But then he sees the hero eating steamed buns. And for those of you who don't know what steamed buns are, you are missing out. It's just soft, warm bread filled with meat. (laughs) They're so good. I have yet to have one. Yeah, you do. (laughs) You can actually go to an Asian import store and buy some frozen ones. Okay. Yeah. And then you, uh, like, the ones that I buy, um, I don't have a steamer, but I, um, part of the instructions are if you want to use your microwave, just put them in the microwave, but then cover them with a damp uh, paper towel. Ah. So it acts as a steamer. Okay. Um, and yeah, they come out really, really good. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> he, uh, he hears this guy. Uh, well, what was the conversation about? Do you remember? Um, well, he the guy starts talking about um, whether or not he's seen a kid in a mask. Like, who wears oh, a that's mask right. these days? And so there's a lot of suspicion. Like, does he suspect it's me? Does Does he know? Like, yeah. Does Does he suspect? Does he, Is he suspect it's me? me? Is it like what's going on? It's like, yeah, actually, I'm looking for a kid about your size. Wears a mask. You know, it's like, no, I I don't know anyone like that. It's like. Yeah, I mean, seriously, who wears a mask these days type thing, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, I came over to... I came over... And he's like, oh, the uh, one... I saw you crying. Like, it's not your business, please. Well, it was like... Well, he says... Um, here is... Uh, well, like... Sayo keeps staring at the bag. He's got a bag of these meat yeah. buns. Yes, and he's looking at these meat he's buns. He's looking at, and he's like, he's just got this drool that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And finally, um, and then, then there's uh, what the conversation. Hideo's, uh huh. Well, well, yeah. Hideo offers him a meat bun. Uh huh. And then an alarm goes off. And then an alarm goes off, and it turns out that uh, another one of these weapons is uh, coming. Another nebula weapon has appeared. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, he and the the guy gets up and runs off and says, uh, well. Tells him to, to be safe. And this is where we learn that he says, well, you know, I saw... Oh, you uh, can't run very fast in those. And so he gives him his shoes. He gives him his shoes. And but, then runs off hurting his feet. Mm-hmm. But then he says... Uh, well, he also says to uh, Soya... This is the mark where he says, well, I saw, you know... Um, saw a middle schooler crying. I wanted to make sure he was okay. And he's like, actually, I'm a high schooler. So, <laughs> yeah. 
so that's the that's the conversation where where that happened yes. but anyways um yeah even though he doesn't have any more powers uh, hideo still goes off to try to see what he can do to help um and then we cut to again the cameraman and the camera operators or and like the the news people they notice that the heroes are there again but this time there's six like what happened what there were seven the other day why are there only six this time and the six heroes fly off towards the enemy and they uh. start following Miu's lead this time which um, reminds me of that comic uh, Volgun or Guntron. Oh gosh, Guntron. Guntron. It's Voltron, but it forms a gun and it fires one of their guys into a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it blows up. Like, Yay! Guntron is victorious, and one of their own is. And uh, anyway, no. Um, but uh, before before they fly off and do that, after he runs, he's there. He's got the meat bun. He can't wait. And he bites into it. And, and he, he knows something's freaks wrong. Out. He's just like, it's being jam! Which is actually really, really tasty. But when you want meat... It's I not mean, meat. That's, okay. <coughs> I like oatmeal raisin cookies. I really do. I think they're really, really tasty. Sure. But when you bite into a cookie expecting chocolate chip and you get raisin, what's your reaction? Uh, the same reaction I get when I'm bu- expecting to bite into... Um, mayonnaise and get honey mustard yeah there you go if you're getting something you're not expecting like no it was my very first experience at a wendy's as oh, i no. ordered a grilled i ordered a grilled chicken sandwich and i didn't mm-hmm. realize that they put honey mustard on it and i thought it was mayonnaise and so i took a bite and i thought this is awful and then i took a look at it why is the mayonnaise yellowy and glittery mm-hmm. and i couldn't finish it <laughs> That's sad. And it wasn't until I actually got a job at Wendy's a year later that I found out that it was honey mustard. And I'm like, oh, now I feel dumb. <laughs> but and, anyway, now, and now they don't I mean, even have it as an ingredient. That's, uh, yeah. So. Anyway, which is sad. I really like honey mustard. Um, anyway. Um, I think they have it as a dipping sauce. Possibly. Anyway. Um, so they so the, the weapon that shows up this time is... Um, it's a, pig, it's a pig, but it has like in, instead got of feet hooves, where its hands are and mm. hands where its feet should be. Well, instead of hooves, it has the baby limbs again yes. from like baby toys, and it's got hands down where the feet should be, and again it's on the opposite sides, and then feet up where the hands should be. So, so it's and all backwards. Yep, and they again the heroes uh, get towards it and they find the weakness, and this time Miu goes Miu goes into it, and we see Miu, um, where uh, she uh. Yeah, we see Miyu and we see um, her doing a judo match. Mm-hmm. And this ju- in this uh, judo match, she's going up against the other girl on the team, um, Haru. And um, we don't see, like, and it's a judo match watched by millions. There's like, the camera pans up and there's like 10 stories of people watching this match. And every seat is filled. Yeah. Um, and we don't see who wins. Uh, we just see them start the judo match and then the camera then cuts enjoying, and we hear, the, enjoying the match and them enjoying the match together and the camera cuts and we just you know hear the fight and stuff like that and then the camera comes back and we see both of them on the ground just panting absolutely loving it yeah um and then she's like oh wait no everyone everyone warned me that this is uh that no, this is a, no. this is a, uh, an, illusion. an illusion and I need to break it yeah and so she gets back into her mech and she strikes Haru with her yeah. mech and, and, right and the, mes- she- the message that mm-hmm. pops up there is, it's okay to be weak. Yeah, it's okay to be weak. 
Yeah. Which, again, you know, shocks her uh-huh. big time. But then she still punches Haru and the machine, uh, the uh, the weapon, uh, the, the nebula weapon dissipates into nothing. Yeah. Um, and that happens around sunset. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole time, um, uh, the, the trio, uh, Sensei... Uh, Sensei Sayo, Sayo, Soya and, and Ginko, Ginko mm-hmm. are watching and watching them pair off and go into different directions, and so they, uh, um, one of, and then, uh, is it Mina, or who's who's the uh, who's the one that's with the little girl? Miyu and um, Haru. Haru, that's it. Mm-hmm. Miyu and Haru end up at the edge of a forest, and end up going into the forest to get towards civilization from mm-hmm. from where they landed from that from the coastline Mm -hmm. and that's where they're stopped by um uh sayo sayo and sensei soya it's s-o-y-a soya and sensei stop them Mm. and then he insists that they get and he's and he's really into it this time he says give me your powers or like give me give me the source of your powers um and the girls both say no and they activate their their mechs and he activates his and they seem to be doing... this time he's this time he doesn't complain about getting gobbled up by sensei mm-hmm. he's like i'm well, inside sensei it's warm in here yeah well he doesn't, he doesn't he uh, doesn't what what am i trying to say he doesn't uh well he's expecting it this time yeah he's expecting it he's expecting time. It this time i mean it wasn't a surprise this giant cat just suddenly opens his mouth up and eats you how would you feel you know seriously <laughs> the first time. but he um but he gets in he, he, the two girls are actually a really good tag team yes um miyu has this spinning attack um they, they, it turns out they both admire each other for very different reasons yep um, and, we find, has, and we find that more fully in episode three mm-hmm. um but we she um anyways so um the two of them are very good at tag teaming and they uh, mm-hmm. they, they start fighting uh, miyu has this spinning attack and Soya. she and and so get dodges the spinning attack only to be rammed and thrown and grappled. grappled by Haru and by her by her amazing um judo moves. Yep. Um and so he's outmatched for a little bit, but then he gets them separate. Uh, he he separates them mm-hmm. and um well the Miyu makes the mistake of doing the exact same attack over and over and over again. And, then and he, you he, never he, want to do that in in a battle ever. No, because if you let somebody see the way you're going to do something too often mm-hmm. they can find the weakness in it and he does yep. and he perfectly times his hammer attack mm-hmm. in, into her and yeah. it shatters her armor yeah she goes flying yeah the, he, the her spin attack uh she rotates like a hedgehog but yeah. instead of like, where it's, it's, it's kind of like the sonic kind of like the screw attack that uh, metroid does i was, was going to say Thanos. i was going to say sonic where okay. sonic you know sonic rolls up into a ball uh-huh. and it's his back that's exposed during it whereas the way she's doing it her head is exposed her head is what's hitting people uh-huh. um and he notices that and so he uses his hammer and he slams her head as she's spinning and the force of her spin combined with the force of his hammer shatters the head of the armor and then her entire armor gets dissipated and she goes flying through the air. Mm-hmm. Her, uh... and so as she's falling through the air, she sees her vial of stardust. Um, I'm just gonna call it that because it's star shaped. That's fine. Yeah. So she sees her vial of stardust, and she's trying to reach for it when the main when Ginko, Ginko grabs, grabs it, it and then flies over to a sensei. And Haru catches mm-hmm. her. Yep. And. As- yeah, Haru catches Miu, and she's freaking out. She's like, "Miu, Miu, are you okay? Miu, please be okay." And because Miu's not moving, 
and she well Mio gets on her hands and knees and mm-hmm. so she's up a little bit in mm-hmm. the hands of the mech mm-hmm. but well, um, we we didn't mention that Mew pretty much the entire episode is talking about how she's strong she can do this she's strong she's strong she's strong yes um yeah that that, that was that mm-hmm. was her thing is that she all she admires uh haru's strength and wants to be as strong as her wants to be the strongest of the group yes Mm -hmm. that's that's what it needs to be and that's why it's so impactful for her when the message was it's okay to be weak it's okay to be weak and then she loses her powers yes um and she yeah and they take her powers and they're like okay we have their we have her power let's go and so he's like, no, there's another one right there. She's weakened. I can go ahead and finish this. Let's do this. And like, no, we need to go. We need to go now. And uh, he says, no, like, I can do this. Let's fight them. And then while he's arguing with them, the other four heroes show up. Yes. A lot, all in their mechs. They all, all surround mechs. him in their mechs. So now he's outnumbered five to one. Mm-hmm. Also, the uh, the secretary and the leader are there yep. present as well. Uh, Shiraishi and Takashi are, yeah. are both there. Mm-hmm. And they... Uh, and they all surround him, and that's the end that's of episode, episode two. Yep, episode three starts with the fight, and because to, because now he has to fight if he wants to get out. But Yinko actually says, "Look, surrender. We'll get you. We'll come save you." Yeah, and he's like, "No, we'll I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to fight these guys." Yeah, and so he goes and he fights them. Yeah, and he, and he actually goes does. All out. He goes all out, and he actually does fairly well against them, considering it's one against five. Yes, um, but he's still overpowered. He can't do anything, and he notices the guy who's the leader. And he's like, well, at least I can take out their leader. And he goes... So so he targets their leader who is on the ground in his human form. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the leader, right before uh, Soya attacks him, transforms himself. Yeah, and apparently he, he and he uses the same, the same uh, command line that he that everyone else shouts when they turn. Mm-hmm. Something about uh, God mode power or something. Some, like that. Something like that. But anyways, and his form is that is it's black instead of gold uh-huh. and red, yes. and it's a dragon. Yeah, so and he just destroys Soya. Like yeah. Soya doesn't stand a chance against him. He does this one breath attack that you, one punch man. Yeah. Okay. When. Well, what, well, what, no. What, is, what he has is it's not necessarily it's not a breath attack. Mm-hmm. He has his own hammer. He has oh, his own hammer okay. attack, and his hammer is so. While uh, the cat's is called the Giga Cat Hammer, mm-hmm. this guy's hammer is called Thor's hammer, mm. and so he uses Thor's hammer, which destroys the Giga the Giga Cat Hammer and, and the, the arm, arm mm-hmm. and then does like One Punch Man melts through a yeah, cliff side. I was gonna say it's it's like that scene in One Punch Man where. Um, where Ganos gets upset at Saitama for not taking this training seriously. Um, and Saitama's just like, okay. And the very next shot is Ganos realizing that he's in way over his head. And Because Saitama moved so fast, he didn't see what happened. He just sees the fist stop yeah, well, an inch away and from his nose. All of his senses are, danger, danger, I am going to die. And he just sees this image of, of this mass of Saitama throwing a punch at him yeah. and Saitama stops the punch right before Ganos's nose and the force of the punch the shockwave that the air pushed in mm-hmm. the punch destroyed an entire mountain behind him it's just and then Ganos turns around and he's just like I was a fool for thinking I could ever fight on master's level <laughs> <laughs> and it's just and, and then and then Saitama just goes oh let's get something to eat yeah <laughs> I'm thinking soba or something like that. Maybe udon, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, um, so that's uh, episode three. Um, uh, episode three starts with a fight, with and he fi- loses. Mm-hmm. 
And um, just as they're about to capture him, mm-hmm. well, what happens is that he's actually he actually gets pinned down by Haru for a bit as well. Mm-hmm. The reason he attacks this he attacks their leaders because Haru's got him pinned down. He then breaks out of Haru's pin with the hammer. Yeah, hammers her arm away. Mm-hmm, hammers her arm away, and then he goes after the leader. Yes. So um, everybody's taking some hits from this fight, except for the leader. And then suddenly, this cat head appears in the middle of the sky. A cat head that looks exactly like Sensei. It's exactly it's, like Sensei. But it's the mm-hmm. size of these previous uh, weapons that have been mm-hmm. coming at them. So it's and then hundreds. Of, it's a uh, tens of meters tall. And then through like a ring of tall. light that go that uh, descends, the rest of this body appears, materializes or something. Uh, and this head and the mouth opens up, and uh, it, it, and then and from the valley of this molten rock that has been blasted, it reaches down, grabs what's left of um, Soya's mech, and mm-hmm. uh, who is Sensei, and <laughs> tosses it into its mouth, and everyone's just like, "It just ate it! What? What the crap? What's and, going on?" And, and uh, Ginko jumps in the Ginko mouth. Ginko jumps in the uh, jumps in afterwards, and then you see it just stand there. And it gets down on it. Then it gets down, and then lifts up its leg and starts scratching its face. Starts with scratching its, its face with its and leg, with its mouth wide open. Which the mouth of it is is a starry dimensional portal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's clear. It's visually speaking, it's clear that they mm-hmm. were teleported away using this mechanism. Yeah, yeah but um, everyone's just like, well, and the leader um, Takashi just he's like, all right, everyone, let's go. And then uh, one of them says, wait, why don't you just use your attack to destroy that ship? He's like, well, the leader said we got to go, so we got to go. And yeah. so they all left. So it might be that if, well, I don't know. Either either his attack is so powerful that it drains him completely after using it once. Right. Or he knows that his attack's not going to do anything to that ship. So there's no point using it. Mm. Um, anyway. Um, Maybe that ship is like darkness and put all its points in defense. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Anyway, um, reference check. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, we then get a scene where Soya is sitting with a bucket of fried chicken in a movie theater, in a, in a, in a stage, on, in, a, in a theater. theater. And in, on that stage, there's a chalkboard, and there is Sensei, and then a, a white dog a white version. Dog version of Sensei, like it's the same body shape, but it's got a white dog face. And they're just talking back and forth. And he's like, and the dog says, look, you can't worry about that planet anymore. It wasn't your fault. Why do you even have the, Why do you even have this kid with you? And he says, well, his powers are similar to mine. He's able to, I, he's able to draw out more power from me than anybody else who I've ever worked with before. So he's a very useful asset for our cause. And we start learning that, no, these guys are not related to Nebula. They are, in well, fact, they... a third faction called pacifists. Well, they they are a so there's two nebula factions. Mm-hmm. One are active and one are pacifist. And the mm-hmm. active ones are the ones sending the weapons. Yes. And the pacifist ones, they just want to collect because the active ones want, apparently want to stop human evolution. Like it's mm-hmm. gone as far as it should, and it needs to stop. And because because if they continue on their evolutionary path with these um, crystal, with this uh, uh, stardust. Mm-hmm. Then they will evolve based on, on power, and that'll be bad for their planet. And then the same thing will happen so to their want, planet so, that happened to the to Soya's homeworld. So they want to stop evolution from becoming power based. Sirius was the name of this planet. Sirius. But, mm-hmm. okay. So the the so the the pacifists want evolution to continue, but based on love instead of on power. Mm-hmm. And the activists um, want evolution to stop 
cold turkey. Just done. They want it to be done. Mm. And so the, so there's disagreement on the correct way to move forward. And the idea mm. the pacifist has is to take this power away from these guys so that humankind can evolve the correct way. Through love rather than through power. Yes. Um, and that's the, mm-hmm. all explained with a chalkboard. But and at everything. the same time, he says, "But what ha- what will happen if they evolve through love like you want them to?" The dog says, uh-huh. and Sensei just says, "It will still be bad, but not as bad as through power." So whatever is going to happen, it's going to be bad. We already know that. And uh-huh. so, so the audience gets all this uh, exposition dumped through here, and the whole time, Soya is there with the chicken. Bringing it closer and closer to his mouth. And he's about to take a bite of it, and then he puts it down for some reason, because he gets distracted, and then he goes for it again. And when he finally takes a bite, he wakes up, and he's taking a bite out of his down comforter. Mm -hmm. Before that, though, we need to say that um, the dog, uh, turns out his name is uh, Generalissimo. Um, the dog gets called away by a woman in the shadows. Generally, Simo. Does, is, is that supposed to be high general with like a, a an Italian twist on it? Because like know. the way Fortissimo mm. is louder than Forte. I don't know. Like the Fortissimo of Ikubukuro. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but they call him. This woman calls him Generally Simo and says it's uh. time to go. And the woman's voice sounds like the secretary yeah. to me. That I was just like, oh. I wonder if it's the I wonder if it's the same person. Um, now they they mm-hmm. do play out that a little mm-hmm. later in that episode because there's an exchange between the secretary and mm-hmm. uh, the most serious girl on the team. It's like you know a lot about these things. Just focus on your mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then uh, the dog calls Sensei pacifist of chaotic black. Yeah. And then uh, Sensei calls the dog generally most something, but I don't remember. I didn't write down what he what he wrote. Yeah. It's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but calls him something something white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they uh, and they um, anyways, that's when Sayo wakes up and uh-huh. he's eating his uh, he's eating his down comforter, and then Ginko realizes he's awake and says, uh-huh. "Oh, you've been asleep for three days. Like, what what are we doing back in the apartment? Weren't we swallowed by the thing? Oh, that's my spaceship," says Sensei, or he says through Ginko. Yeah, Sensei Sensei says that's his spaceship, and that's a portal, and it has a portal connected straight to this apartment. You've been asleep for the last three days. So, and uh, Sensei actually has his arm in a cast. In a cast, the arm that was blasted off mm-hmm. of the mech. Yep. So, um, but so um, he. It's then that he he's eating his breakfast, and his breakfast is a vegetable curry. Mm-hmm. It's just broccoli with hot sauce on it, um, <laughs> or broccoli and curry sauce. So sad. Um, but he's eating it, and um. There's a news report on the TV, and um, the reporter says, We've had some strange things going on in this town recently with superheroes and giant robots attacking us. Let's go ahead and get the opinions of the local person. You, you, there, Miss uh, Junior High student. Actually, I'm a high school student. (laughs) Oh. Oh. (laughs) And it's it's Nozomi. Uh It's Nozomi. And he's just like, Oh, and she says, well, I'm really worried about it. And in fact, one of my classmates stopped coming to school ever since the attacks happened. Uh, he was like, we had an emergency and he said he had to go to the bathroom and I never saw him again. He never came back from the bathroom. I hope he made it to the bathroom. Okay. And the, the reporter's just like, I bet he did. Like, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty certain he did. Because <laughs> yeah. really nothing really happened to the town. Everything happened. All the fights have been happening over, happening over the ocean. Yes. But uh, anyways, he feels bad and he decides he needs to go back to school. I'm wondering if in a future episode that reporter's going to get suspicious and wonder if her friend is one of the secret uh, heroes since they're going to start tailing him. I don't know. Maybe. 
that could well, definitely but, happen. But the reporter is definitely a recurring character at this point. Yes, we've or, seen or her several times. Character. We've seen her several times so far. Yeah. Usually she's the one who's on the news reporting these incidents and stuff. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, he goes back to school and um, Nozomi is so happy about it. She's like, hey, come with me. I want to show you. I want to do something. I want to show you something. He's like, oh, um, okay. And he's like, and then she, uh, they go through the school. She flings the door open and she shows him this cool room. It's like, oh, cool. What is this? Oh, this is the uh, cult club. I just wanted to show it to you. He's like, what? Um, okay. Like, wait, why? Well, you, you've got interest in the occult, don't you? I mean, like, uh, when you were the, so obsessed with that you UFO. You were so obsessed with that UFO. And he's just like, yeah, that was before my memories came back. He said to himself, he uh -huh. says to himself, um, and she's like, but there's so many different things that you could study about uh, in the occult club. But he, uh, here, go ahead and have a seat. And they're, they're, they're just chatting. And then the door opens up again. And you hear this girl that goes, ah, no way, another person. This is great. And uh, the class rep, Nozomi, says, yeah, he's here to join the club. And so, so he's just like, wait, what, what? And then she pulls out a registration, uh, an envelope labeled registration and hands it to the president and the president slyly slips it as if it's a bribe under her jacket. <laughs> it's like, great, now we have five members so they won't close the club. But two of them are ghosts. What do you mean ghosts? Oh, they, they're members but they never show up. We haven't seen them in a while. Oh, okay. And um, as he's in the room talking to them... As he's in the room talking to them, they uh, like the door opens up again, and who walks in? Um, one of the seven heroes, which is the most obnoxious of them, is a boy who thinks he's very cool and stands around posing, holding a book, mm -hmm. and has a gleam in his eye, which seriously just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, I had Nezuya is his name. I had tracked down. Is it, um, it's not free. You have to rent it. But on Amazon Prime Video, they have Doc Savage, oh, and you can no. watch the trailer. Oh no! <laughs> and so you know the gleam in the eye. Uh huh. That effect. Ding. <laughs> Made me think of that. Doc you, Savage. Actually, it reminds me. Just because I've been reading, uh, um, uh, Komi-san can't communicate. Uh -huh. There's a character in that in that uh, manga. I can't remember what his name is right now, but his name is a play off of Narcissist. Okay. I think it's I think his name is literally just Narcissus or something like that. That's <laughs> what they call him. And he thinks he's the most beautiful person and he thinks that he's the main character of this story and nobody finds him attractive but him. Nobody gives him the time of day but him. <laughs> and he thinks that everybody's too stunned by his beauty to uh to interact with them so this this uh, well if king is daddy i guess that makes me mommy <laughs> guess that makes me mommy <laughs> shadow king the shadow king i learned very or very on high school reference or on high school, school reference oh uh, by the way Check. um i need to tell a friend um i think i'm pretty sure um, ever since uh, with, with the Crunchyroll uh, Funimation split, yes, um, Orin High School Close Club is one of the shows that was removed. Uh -huh. I think it's still on Netflix though. I think so. so. I'll have to tell my friend. I'll, I'll tell my friend that it's still on Netflix because okay. she said that she wanted to watch it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, he walks in and uh, they're like, "Hey, it's Senpai." Oh wait, wait. He's one of our senpais, uh, says uh, you know Soya. He's like, oh well, yeah, he's graduated already, but he's a loser, so he keeps coming out to hang out with us. 
They're just so honest. <laughs> They're so honest about how awful this guy is. He keeps coming in here and just like borrowing books. Why is he in a school uniform? He says it's cosplay. Why is he still wearing the school uniform? He says it's cosplay. <laughs> but we learned that, you know, uh, different people have different interests. Like, um, someone's interested in aliens. Someone's interested in witchcraft. Someone's interested in these other things and monsters. Yeah. Yeah. The Loch Ness kind the of the cult, mm -hmm. or the Bigfoot kind like, of the... the cult covers all of that, so please, like, I know I kind of tricked you into joining the club, but there's just so much for you to study and learn about, I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, and the, the club president uh, says, and I declare the rest of the meeting free study! And so they all just kind of split up and start reading their own things, and um, he pulls up this book, and... Uh, it's a Loch Ness-esque... It, um... It's like a Loch Ness monster book. Uh -huh. Um... um myths and legends and stuff like that and um as he sits down and starts reading this book uh, nezu is just like you look really really familiar to me but i can't really place it and then nozomi's just like i wonder if you know him from his past you know like uh i maybe he knows about you this might be a clue to help heal your amnesia and then the president's like wait what amnesia and uh nozomi apologizes and realizes that you know she shouldn't have brought up the amnesia and stuff like that um, but, and she's like, yeah, no, amnesia is a pretty serious thing. We shouldn't, you know, kind of play around with it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but anyways. And, and then who, who's the, who's the nerd book with the book? Nezuya. Nezuya. Nezuya then immediately assumes he's the coolest guy around because amnesia just sounds so cool. Yeah. That's Nezuya for you though. And so, so they become best. So he declares them best friends. Oh gosh. Or something along those lines. Something along those lines. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so bad. Um, while, is it while they're there that they get another alert? I'm trying to remember. No, the alert happens late at night. That's right. It happens later at night. That's right. It's because it's actually at night when it happens. Um, but also we learn in this episode of the relationship between Miu and Haru. And yeah. Miu first transfer, she is the other transfer student, which is why I said, you know, there's uh -huh. so many transfer students in this show. But she transferred when she was in fifth grade. Uh -huh. And she was being teased by some guys at okay, school. So, so that doesn't happen until until the illusion. That's part of the story of what happens in the illusion. Ah, okay. And so we'll get to, so that's coming up. Okay. But um, Haru, after Miu got her powers taken from her, Haru has just completely changed. Yeah. Um. She. Um. She's no longer the shy, quiet girl. She is. She's you know, out for revenge. She yeah. Wants, she's. She's, she, she's out for blood. She. <laughs> she wants to hurt the person who took away her best friend's smile. Mm hmm. And she. Yeah. And we see that as the this time the nebula, um, weapon is a group of baby dolls hanging upside down. Yeah. And with faces on their diapers. Something. Something weird like that. Yeah. Um. But they. Um. The Nebula weapon is walking towards the city uh, in the sky, and so this time now the five heroes go off, um, and uh, Haru is, um, you know, well, they're, they're desperately searching for the weakness for the entrance and stuff like that while they're fighting off the, the weapons, um, and uh, Nezuya finds it first, but this yeah. time there's two openings instead of one. Uh -huh. And Nezuya goes through one, and Haru says, wait for me, and she goes in through the other one. And then we see Haru's vision. Yes. And yeah, we see when... and we see both of them. Nezuya and Haru are back to back. They don't notice yeah. each other. And Nezuya sees a giant mansion in a gold gilding. Gold gilded maybe, mansion. Maybe it's a library. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. it's, it is some large, fancy structure. Mm -hmm. 
and he heads off towards that. Whereas she sees an, an open field of beautiful flowers, and there is a vanity, and Miyu standing mm-hmm. there. And she goes and she sits next to Miyu. And, and, Mi- and Miyu has her sit down in front of the vanity and mm-hmm. starts brushing her hair, and they start reminiscing. Mm-hmm. And then we have Miyu's first experience with Haru, where Miyu is being bullied by some boys at school. Uh-huh. And Haru comes and just does a judo flip on one of them and throws him into one of the desks. And, and all and Miyu was just awestruck by this. And she's, she's so impressed, that's why she joined the judo class. She started she taking judo because be she wanted like, to be strong like Haru. She wanted to be like Haru. And, and uh, meanwhile... Haru wanted to be a princess like Miyu. Yes. The first time she saw her, when she was up there in the class introduction, she just thought, I thought I saw a princess up there. So and that is the and uh, mm-hmm. suddenly after the flashback, they, well, you are a princess now, and so the illusion is she just put a crown and a princess dress on her mm-hmm. uh, in front of the vanity, and that it's just a, it's just a very interesting relationship that the two of them envied the other so much mm-hmm. of who the, uh, they were just admired the other person so much that they were mm-hmm. willing to change who they were to become more like mm-hmm. the other. And Miu is dressed up as a prince type thing, and yes. they kind of share a moment between each other. And but then Haru remembers that this is an illusion and she needs to destroy it if she's going to defeat this cre- this weapon. Yes. And so she goes into her mech and she attacks the illusion. And right before she destroys the illusion, she gets the message that says nobody's afraid of you. Which to me means the reason that she is um, that she's so shy and reserved is because she's afraid her strength is going to make people afraid of her. Right. Which is which is probably the experience that she personally had after she flipped the boy. Yeah. She became friends with Miu, but I guarantee all the boys in the class were afraid of her after that. And she felt like that's just what her life was going to be yeah. from then on. Yeah, that she'd always be alone mm-hmm. and lonely because everyone would be afraid of her. Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. And then they, um, and we're watching this entire, th- well, obviously we're watching it, but Soya is watching this entire thing happen th- via a hologram on top of the uh, the cat spaceship's head. Yeah. He, Sensei, and um, and Ginko are all standing there watching this hologram. Now, when and, the, th- when the full, whole thing started, they're watching the hologram, they're seeing the babies go coming by, and Ginko goes, oh, how cute! And Soya's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> but they, uh, but anyways, um, after she destroys the machine, she comes out, and she then start realizes that Nezuya is nowhere to be seen. Like, mm. his mech is gone. And they see Nezuya falling unconscious through the sky. And she goes and she catches him. And that's when we see Soya seeing his senpai, the loser senpai who keeps hanging out in the, the occult club, is one of the heroes. Yes. And he's like, oh, crap. He, he, so he recognizes him from somebody he met before they were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, or rather, yeah, because the the last time he met one of them, it was after they had fought, mm-hmm. and now he's meeting somebody, Before finding out that somebody he had met and became friends with is somebody that's his enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees him fa- falling there. End episode three, and that's the end of episode three. And what it a took it took a lot of willpower from both of us not to watch the next episode immediately. Yeah, it's this show. Has incredible cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Every episode is just. This show is designed for binge watching. This show, I've, I've like, well, we've already like we've been gushing about it for the past hour, but yeah, it's an incredible show. It it's is. really good. I love the kind of the mystery, the aura, like what's going on. Um, 
Uh, I love all the heroes. Um, I love the the Nebula, the, the people of the Nebula faction that we've met already. Yes. Um, I really want to see. I, more I, of I, it. I feel yeah. I feel like there's no real bad guys mm-hmm. yet, but that we just are have different people with different ideologies clashing against each other, mm-hmm. and that there's a there there is a malicious force out there. Mm-hmm that needs to be dealt with but mm-hmm. we haven't seen anybody who's really on the bad side yet i'm looking forward to seeing uh, what um what um takashi means by saying i will be the one to save humanity or yeah. save the humans yeah so but anyway so, yeah so, that's so, something is definitely going on there's a lot more to, than the surface level material there's a lot of subtext a lot of um, foreshadowing mm-hmm. of unknown events happening in these first three episodes, and I'm very much mm-hmm. excited to watch more of it. Mm-hmm. So cool, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, next week, what are we going to watch? I mean, you next just put, week you just put your tablet yeah. away, and you're the one who's going to read it because you picked right. it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I can just so, hand you mine. No, that's fine. Okay. Uh, so next week, we are going to take a blast from the past. And watch the first three episodes of Galaxy Express 999. This is an old anime, and it's highly influential. Highly influential. Uh, The synopsis reads, In a distant future, Tetsuro, a human boy who wants his body replaced with a robotic one. This is possible, but to do so, he has to reach the immortal planet on board the space train Galaxy Express 999. Okay. Um, it's a very old show. It has, um, it's inspired uh, a lot of, um, more recent work. Uh, Captain Harlock has the same art style, Mm -hmm. um, from back in the day. And then the 3D movie they made of that was brilliant. Um, it also, uh, some of its art style was borrowed in, um, that Daft Punk hour-long music video, Interstellar mm-hmm. 5555. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, being able to review this show. Yeah, awesome. Uh, we'll at least review the first three episodes. Of course. Okay, well, um, since that is... Uh, since we're done with three episodes in, let's go ahead and move on to recommendation of the week. Yes. And I know for a fact that I have already recommended this uh this but i'm gonna go ahead and recommend it again just because it is such it's really really important to me you know uh dungeons and dragons i adore dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. um and i just had a whole lot of fun with it last night with 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 some friends um we were traveling with an npc paladin Mm -hmm. and this npc paladin um who we know is a good man um and is a very honorable man has suddenly been blacklisted by his order of paladins and marked as a heretic and marked for execution. Wow. And we're just like, um, what? <laughs> uh, and so we've actually spent the last two sessions trying to figure out how to help this guy. Because... Now, are you the game master in this? No, I am not. Player? I'm playing in it. Neat. I'm playing in it. And it's, it's a game that's it's like we meet for like an hour every two weeks type thing. Uh-huh. That's the only reason I was able to play in it, because it's not a very long one. Uh-huh. Um, but our... Um, our uh, so... And one thing that's really, really great about this party is that we all are in this for our own reasons. And so we all were coming to our own unique ideas on how to save this guy or not. One of the characters is another paladin, but he is a paladin of the goddess of death. <laughs> um, and so his idea of saving this paladin was he volunteered to be the executioner. Oh. 
and he was going to get so plastered drunk that he wasn't able to just hold the hold the sword to execute the guy was his <laughs> idea but we didn't know that until until later i mean we saw him role playing with the grandmaster of the order where he volunteered to be the executioner and we were just like wait what we want to save his life what are you doing but none of us were actually there so we couldn't do anything uh-huh. and then two other people went off to go talk to the, to the grandmaster and of course they couldn't get anywhere with him and i was just like we gotta have we gotta do a different angle of this this just isn't working and so i went up i was in a bar because you know i'm a drunken fist monk and i I talked to the bartender i'm just like so i'm traveling visiting this city what kind of information can you give me about you know the leader of this order and whatnot he's like oh well there's the leader of the order uh there's the grand master um but and he only takes orders from you know the um the head weaver of our order uh uh, who's over in this who's over in this other temple and i'm just like oh or who lives on top of this really dangerous mountain and just like oh new best friend as i wrote down his name uh and i went to go i wanted to go visit him he's like oh but that's a week away that's a week's journey by cart to get there so that and like oh well his execution is tomorrow well and so i went and i went to i got the idea of going in to a local temple and having them cast ascending to um (laughs) to the this weaver and you know what sending is hmm. it's a spell that where you can cast 20 you can send telepathically 25 words to somebody um it's uh it's actually really good for comedy stuff as well just because a lot of times players aren't counting the words they're saying and as the dm i'll be like okay that was 10 15 20 25 okay ends right there and it's like wait what is like yeah you get 25 words that's it <laughs> type thing that's where this that's where the message ends yes um and like crap i guess i spent cast the spell again I'm like okay well count your words <laughs> um but anyway i go to this um i go to this uh this temple and my character he is from an order of monks called the sowers of the sacred flame they worship the goddess of fire really they call themselves the imbibers of the sacred flame because they're a bunch of drunken fist monks but they don't tell the world that they practice martial arts. They're mm. just, they just make some of the best sake in the world. Ah. Um, and they have been closed off to the rest of the world for hundreds of years. And I walk and I go up and I clean myself up. And the paladin has some abilities that help me clean up as well. And I cast the spell Prestidigitation. Or no, uh, Thaumaturgy. Uh-huh. To create a wreath of fire around my horns okay and i go up and i introduce myself as psycho a representative of the sowers of the sacred flame and the guard outside the temple is just like wait your order is re-establishing connection with the rest of the world i'm like yes yes we are and they have sent me here to meet with the high priestess of this the high priest of this uh, of this temple and like give me just a moment and within minutes i'm meeting with the high priestess of this temple and um and I'm just like, look, and I'm, you know, I'm totally BSing all this because while, yes, I am from the Order of the, of the Sacred Flame, I am not there for the reason I'm claiming to be there. <laughs> okay. I'm there for completely different reasons that um, I know there are players in my group that listen to this podcast. So I don't want to tell them what those reasons are here on the podcast because I already told them that I'm going to reveal kind of my backstory to them at the next session. Uh. Um, but anyway, he, and so um, I'm talking to this this high priestess and she's just like and i'm like look i'm on a journey 
Okay, and it's a very important journey that my order has sent me out on. And Sir Orion has been a very great asset to that journey. And I find it very, very hard to believe that he is that he's a heretic. He has, in my eyes, he's done absolutely nothing wrong. And I was hoping to meet with the great, the Grand Weaver in order to perhaps get a stay of execution so we can go ahead and have a more in-detail in investigation to see what's going on. And I, the entire thing was, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to prevent the execution from happening. If he's guilty, he's guilty. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to try to find a way to prove that he's not guilty. And these people really want to reestablish good communication, uh, a good uh, relationship with the sowers of the sacred flame. Uh -huh. And they're just like, give, give me just a moment. And so um, Breaker and I, the other paladin, were just kind of sitting there. And I guess our elven druid was with with us as well, um, by the name of Talison. Um, and we were just kind of sitting there waiting for her to, to come back. And he's like, so, um, that's not the reason you gave us while you were out in the world. So what's the real story? And I'm just like, there's a lot of people who can hear right now that I don't want to hear. I'll tell you when we're in a, a place where we don't have so many ears that can listen in. And he's just like, oh, fine, whatever. <laughs> um, but we, uh, but yeah, we actually got permission from... Um, the High Weaver, who's actually on his way here. Oh, no, no. Um, who um, gave us a stay of execution to where we can go and plead the case of Sir Ryan to the High Weaver, which is, he's going to be in a place that's going to be a week away by cart. So we're going to go ahead and get a cart and go to his place and plead the case of Sir, of Sir Orion. Nice. Um, and yeah, I get back to the party and like, they're all just like kind of distraught being like, Oh, that guy's such a jerk. He won't listen to us. What's going on? Why? And like one of our players in her backstory, uh, she was actually rather close to Sir Bra to Sir Orion. Um, and then they had a falling out, but they've kind of recently become started getting close to, again. Mm -hmm. And she was just distraught and just super heartbroken about the entire thing. But like, he's a good man. I know the Grandmaster's doing something dirty, doing something shady. There's no way that Orion would be a heathen. And I just walk in and he's like, well, it's a good thing I got him a stay of execution, wasn't it? <laughs> or isn't it? And I give like the stay of execution to the guards and they give it to the Grandmaster and stuff like that. And this drunken wizard just comes and gives me a tear, like a, a disgustingly tear-snot-faced hug. Just like, ah! <laughs> and I'm just like, this is the only thing that you can do in, in role-playing. And one of the things I love about our group is that our group, we have such animosity between our characters. <laughs> but we also know that that's just role-playing, you know? Okay. Um I've played with a lot of people who it doesn't feel like it's role playing where it no, feels like no. it's actual real animosity. Yeah. Whereas for us, we're just like, no, that's just totally in my character to not agree with what your character wants to do. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good. Like, no, I'm just a dwarf and you're an elf. So I'm racist. So uh -huh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and then like every once in a while, um, the DM would be like, yeah, for some reason the tiefling hates the elf too. I'm like, no, that's just Andrew bleeding into the character. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew role plays dwarves. <laughs> um, most of the time I would roll a dwarf back in the day. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, God, that's the only thing you can do in, a, in, in Dungeons and Dragons. You cannot recreate that in any other type of game. And that's not just Dungeons and Dragons. I mean like any tabletop role playing game. So I'm actually going to go ahead and pitch D&D Adventuring League. Mm -hmm. okay you can go ahead and find it online and there's a lot of places even like where we live there are places that will have adventuring league tables okay and the adventuring league 
this is for people who don't really know how to get into D&D, but they want to. Uh-huh. The Adventuring League, there's not a lot of role-playing that goes on there. Usually what they do is they have multiple tables. Uh-huh. And one table is for characters level 1 through 5. And then the next table is 6 through 10, 11 through 16, or 11 through 15, 16 through 20 type okay. thing, okay? Um, and uh, what they do is that they just run, they run um, modules. They run pre-made adventures. Okay. And a lot of time, people at the Adventurers Guild just go to roll dice and have fun doing that. There's not a lot of real role-playing going on there. But it's still a good place to meet people who role-play, so you can go ahead and meet people for yourself and maybe spin off into a group where you can go ahead and actually do some role-playing and not just rolling dice. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and pitch D&D Adventurers Guild. Um, but yeah, uh, it's probably my favorite game. I absolutely adore Dungeons and Dragons and I'm planning on playing it for years and years to come. So yeah, that is my recommendation of the week. Okay then. Uh, that leads us to our creator shout out for the week. Mm -hmm. And this week I'm going to shout out to the artist Robot Cat. Robot Cat. Robot Cat is somebody that I met at Anime Bonsai. Oh cool. And they had a fantastic display of some pretty amazing artwork. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to link their uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, feeds on our uh, site page. So visit us at WhitakerWeekly.com and uh, find episode 32. And uh, you can uh, get the links there. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Well, um, I think that's it for this week. Um, real fast, let's go ahead and pull up, up the outro. Uh, thanks so much for listening in this week. If you listen to it on YouTube, please feel free to like this episode and subscribe to our channel and go ahead and ring that notification bell so you know when a new episode comes up. If you like what we do and want to support us, please spread the word of our podcast or even support us on Patreon. Uh, where can they find us on social media? Our site, WhitakerWeekly.com, currently has links to our Facebook page, Twitter account, Patreon page, and YouTube channel. We encourage all our listeners to follow us on the social media platform of their preference, and if there's one we're not on yet, please reach out to us, and uh, we'll uh, broaden our scope to include you. Okay, and I want to go ahead and give a special thanks to Ben Coombs, uh, who provided the artwork for our website and podcast. And special thanks to Brazmataz for writing Dry Clock, the song we use uh, for the intro and outro of this podcast. Okay, well if that's it, then I guess it's time for us to wrap up. I've been Andrew. I've been Lee. And this has been Whitaker Weekly. You guys have a great week.